0: Hello, everybody, and good evening. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. I want to thank you all for those that are either tuning in live uh, as we get going or listening to the recording a uh, recording later on. And today I'm joined by uh, Tristan Thomas from Toss Nation Media, and uh, you know Milwaukee Bucks Eastern Conference champion bound to play the Atlanta Hawks and. and for most of those, especially in the national media, had uh, didn't really give the Bucs much of a chance uh, to get to this point, but with the Miami Heat in the first round, uh, a lot of people won't think the Bucs could handle the Heat, which they did in four games. The Brooklyn Nets, and we all know how that went, the Game 7 happening this past uh, Saturday evening, and now the Atlanta Hawks. And Before I go any further, I just want to welcome my guest. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. You know, it's always a pleasure being here with you, chopping it up, talking
1: about it, making it make sense. So let's get right down to it.
0: Yeah, so I think it was just so many areas to start with. You can start with the Eastern Conference Finals with the the Hawks. You can start with what we just saw. We can go all the way back to Miami. So I guess we kind of go, you know, go rewind. You know the Miami heat, you know they played them in the bubble last year in the second round, and the heat seemed to handle the bucks pretty easily and then we uh fast forward to this year, and the bucks just completely- sw- uh handled the heat sweeping them in four games um haven't had a chance to talk to you about the first round, so I guess thoughts on the first round of it the- with the heat
1: uh it was unexpected dominance, I will say that um just judging by the personnel they have, the coach they have, and Eric Spolstra, uh, the the personnel they have to deploy an effective wall, which we saw last season in the semifinals, all that came back this season. And for all intents and purposes, there was no reason that the Heat could not deploy an effective wall. And with the ups and, ups and downs that the Bucks were having in a regular season, trying to really learn how to win games a different way, they really weren't dominantly consistent in a regular season. So it made you worry just a tiny bit. Like, okay, is it possible that we have a replay this season of last season's full season? And I, I admit, I knew the heat would be, I thought the heat, I would say would be a tougher matchup than what they actually ended up being. I did not see this type of dominance. I did not see a sweep coming from the bucks at all. I thought maybe the heat would get a game much like the bucks got a game last season, but to sweep them right out of the way it to me that showed that they learned a little bit of something through their ups and downs and their inconsistencies in the regular season so it, it was it was a welcome surprise
0: yeah and I, to me the biggest surprise was you know the the coach we talk about can't make adjustments um Budenholzer basically to me i coach Bolstra he uh they put a game plan together and I know part of it could obviously is that the Heat just weren't the same Heat team from last year, but Boonholser put together a game plan and they executed it. They played the 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 team played the, the the system, and the Heat just didn't stand a chance. So I I think it's it's a fair statement to say in the first two rounds we've seen the best of Bud, we've seen the worst of Bud. Worst of Bud more in the second round, obviously, but. You know, his first. What do you think of his first round performance as a coach? You know his his first round
1: performance. It, it's like you said. The, the, he came in with the game plan. The Bucks worked that game plan. I would say the only game they struggled was the first game, where it went to overtime. They found somehow, some way to win that game through the ups and downs of the game, through shooting five for what five for thirty-one from three, and yet they found a way to pull that game out. That again, that showed me that those ups and downs and those inconsistencies the regular season they learned from that and they pulled something from it and they applied that knowledge that they gained in that regular season so it it really goes to show that what bud was doing in the regular season trying new things different rotations different defensive sets different ways of going about offense trying Giannis a little bit more in the post putting brook in the post a little bit more think the think the dunker area or what i call the plus one area all these things that would work some games wouldn't work other games the ups and downs with it were to really teach them how to win games a different way. So when they had an off night, like they had game one versus Miami, they would still be able to find something else to do in order to keep them in the game and eventually win it. So it was, it was a good performance. He got them ready for that during the regular season. And it definitely showed in the first round.
0: Yeah, it definitely did. And I, and I think in game one and two, moving to the second round matchup against the Nets, I think in the first two games, unfortunately, we didn't see it carry over. Um, to me, it was almost like they put this game plan together to beat the Heat. Now they beat the Heat. Now what? And the first two games of the series, I, I know for a good chunk of the game one, it was kind of close. And before the Nets pulled away there in the second half, and then the second game was just a complete and utter embarrassment. But game three, game three on. For the most part, except here and there, like game five, it, it's like they and I know James Harden being hurt not 100 percent and Kyrie being out after game four definitely worked in the Bucks' favor. But I think the style and the scheme they put together, the remaining uh, four wins, I think, you know, we saw a lot of the best of Bud.
1: And, and, you know, <laughs> one could argue that. I, I don't know if it was so much. I think Game 7 we saw some of the best of Bud, uh, but I think it was just more heart shown by the Bucks players. It was more determination that they were going to win the game in spite of whatever Mike Bootholzer was trying to make them do. They were going to go out there, scratch and claw, and pull that game out. When you talk Mike Bootholzer and his adjustments or lack thereof, it, it, it's it's really telling in this series. They beat themselves in some of those losses. Let's be clear. Especially game five. <laughs> Especially game five, you collapse and you lose a 17 point lead because you decide to oh let's call iso. Let's let's this isn't football. You can't just milk the clock. You can't run the football for two yards of a cloud of dust and think it's going to be effective with the clock still running. That's not how it works in basketball. You can't go iso and not score for six seven minute stretches and think that a team the caliber of the Nets is not going to somehow find a way to put points on the board and overcome you. So it, it, it was, it was again, the inconsistencies that we saw in the regular season, not just from Mike Boonholzer, but from players as well, to come out with that game seven victory. Uh, like I said, just exhausting <laughs> is the word that I use for it in my article, yeah. it, 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 but absolute euphoria for pulling that game out. That was a definite signature win for Giannis. It was a signature win for Mike Budenhoser. But I want everybody to pump the brakes. It's okay to be happy about it, but it's the semifinals. Mm-hmm. It's the semifinals. You have more work to do, and we have to see how much better Bud will get with this rotations, with this, Yeah, couple- and we're,
0: we're going to get to Eastern Conference Finals in a minute, but Game 7 I especially want to talk about is – just the resiliency the Bucks showed. Um, there are many moments in that game that you're like, well, this is in the first half, for example, this is starting to get away from them. And then you have Pat C, nail a three, cut it to a six-point game instead. Um, I think going into the halftime down six was huge. Um, they were within striking distance. They still had work to do, but they're within striking distance. And every time the Nets threw a punch to the mouth, the Bucks had an answer. Either Pat C. making a three, Drew Holiday finally making a big shot after struggling on offense most of the game, um, Middleton making big plays, Lopez's block of Durant in overtime, which led to Middleton's game-winning shot. It's like every time it, or, uh, Harden had his uh, three-pointer with, what, two seconds, one second left on the shot clock, you're thinking, okay, here we go again. Hearts are going to get broken but they just kept clawing and fighting and scratching their way to victory. And as you mentioned, it's definitely a signature win, but there's just so many things that happen in that game that I think really show just the heart that this team has. And I think a lot of that comes from P.J. Tucker.
1: P.J. Tucker is a big part of it. I think P.J. Tucker is more vocal. He's more of the vocal vehicle of how most of the guys on the Bucs probably feel. I think he is that vehicle in which they express that through, and he also brings that to the table, he brings that out of them. I think he said it best, they're dogs, right? And, and we're seeing that. A, a Bucks team of last season, a Bucs team of two seasons ago, even when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, would not have won a series like this. They were too finesse.
0: One thing goes wrong, and it collapses for them. And we've Whereas, seen that, at that at times this season too, like the Suns uh, early on this year. Exactly. You know,
1: if one thing goes wrong, they have a bad shooting night, uh, some bad foul calls go against them. They're broken. They're 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 not able to recover from it for whatever reason. And and then this season, uh, a new mentality. You go and you get a PJ Tucker who was much maligned in the regular season to where I had to tell everyone who would talk about it with me. Look, he's a postseason move. That's where he's going to make his money. Is in the postseason because they be didn't play him much,
0: back. even with even with when he wasn't hurt, they didn't play him much in the regular season because they they got him to mess with uh, KD, to mess with Jimmy Butler or whoever else on the uh, the Heat, yeah. and now you know whoever that player is on the the Hawks, they need to mess with you know get in their head.
1: Exactly. You, you save those repetitions for when it matters most. And what matters most is the playoffs, because that is what this team is judged by now. What do you do in the postseason? We know you can be dominant in the regular season. You won 60 games. You won 50 plus games. We know what you can do in the regular season. But we've also seen what's happened to you in the postseason. And for whatever reason, you just crumble at the wrong time. What are you going to do this postseason? That's what you're going to be judged by. And that's why you're going to make a move for P.J. Tucker. And so you bring in a guy like that who's physical and can get into the minds of some of the best offensive players in basketball.
0: So last, I guess, last uh, couple comments on the Nets before I close that door. You know, I talked about, you know, like every time it looked like the Nets, uh, we're going to pull away from it. There was a key play, key moment that really shined and got, you know, had them claw their way to victory. You know, overall, what were your thoughts? on game seven and just that series in general. That series in general was an all-time besides classic. <laughs> you know, yeah, besides that, you know,
1: it was it was an all-time classic. It is what you want playoff basketball to be. Yes, there was a blowout in there. Yes, there was there actually a couple of blowouts in there. Yes, there was a, a, a throwback to the 80s type of playoff basketball game in there where they, where the Bucks won 86-83, where they scored 86 points the game before we got beat by 30-plus. So go figure. But th- that is what you want playoff basketball to be. That is really two heavyweights going at it, throwing their best punches in the fifteenth round, and whoever doesn't get back up from it just doesn't. And whoever <laughs> whoever stands tall deserves to stand tall at the end of it. And the Bucks were the ones standing tall this go round.
0: Yeah, and I guess I lied there because I have a couple other things I want to comment click on game, you know, that series, especially game seven. Um, so I know the criticism had been that Bud goes too deep on the bench. Um, this series, especially game three on, it was the starting five and Patsy. Occasional Thanassis, Forbes on occasion. I think Bobby Portis entered the uh, witness protection program because I haven't seen him in four or five games. <laughs> yeah. um, your thoughts there on him finally sh- uh, shortening the bench, and I guess why do you think he... Felt comfortable doing that this year, as opposed to last year, the year before. I think it kind of learned this lesson
1: because what did what what did most people say about the the Bucks teams of the past two seasons? Man, they're so deep, they are so deep. But that depth meant nothing come the playoffs because they didn't do anything. You're bringing constant guy after constant guy, the constant guy off the bench who mostly were shooters, and they couldn't make a shot. And they weren't making a shot; they couldn't do much else. So that depth did nothing. So you need to roll with your best guns in this situation, especially against a team, the likes of the Nets. Yes, Harden was not 100 percent. KD is KD. He's all world. You're not going to stop him. Yes, they ended up missing Kyrie for the remainder of the series. But that's still a good team over there. It's still a really good team with a lot of good role players who play their part very, very well. Again, it went seven for a reason. You shorten that bench up, you get the best you can out of those guys and try to coach them to win, and that's exactly what he did. I think he made the right move with that. I understand the Bobby Porter's move being really puzzling for some people, but with that small ball lineup, it's working. It was killing the Nets. You got to roll with it.
0: Yeah, and I get that too. I just more, a lot, you know, kind of being funny there because it's like he plays a big role in the Heat series, and all of a sudden, you know, I know in game one and two he wasn't effective. So I get in his minutes, but just to cutting them all the way to zero, even when they, uh, you know, game, uh, game six, when the Nets threw in the towel and they put all the reserves in on both sides, again, no Bobby Portis, but I do think he's going to have a role to play in this next round. And oh, just want to get your thought on something that I heard yesterday. Um, Eric name was on a local show in Milwaukee uh, on yesterday on uh, 94.5 or ESPN Wisconsin. And he was talking about part of the reason why you don't see typically Giannis go for 50 minutes or 40 plus minutes, like you do a KD and that. And he was kind of commenting on part of it is that, you know, you have Leonard, you know, Durant, uh, those guys, they know how to uh, turn it down a little bit when they're on the floor, conserve energy, briannis is just one that he doesn't know how to do that yet. he's gonna go 120 percent for all those 50 minutes he's in there so i just kind of want to get your thoughts on that
1: i mean it's true he only knows one way and
0: yeah. that's all the
1: way um you know he played 50 minutes in game seven uh, i think middleton played like 52 53 minutes i mean it, i mean just just absolute nuts on minutes that we've never seen mike Bootenholzer play any of his players before they, they were definitely in in waters that were uncharted but I definitely get what, what Eric Name is saying because Giannis is just all out. You know, it, it, it's it's funny. He's 26 years old, and people forget that. And he's still learning the game. Yes, he's a two-time MVP. He's an all-star MVP. He's been defensive player of the year. He's won just about every award you can possibly think of. But he's still learning about himself. He's still learning about the game. And that should really excite people because if he's this good and if he learns a couple more things – I mean, you're talking about one of the all-time greats.
0: Yeah, and is that something you feel he can learn as he goes? Um, hey, you don't need to give 150% every second during the game. You can tune it down just a little bit, or is this what he is?
1: I think with with age comes wisdom, and I think the, the more – because you can even see a, a, a bit more of a maturity from him this season than from seasons past. And I think he's thinking about the bigger picture now. I think eventually he can get there, but it, it's going to take a coach to have to rein him in at times. Cause I think that that part will still come out of him because I, I just, I don't believe he knows any other way right now, but I think eventually once he's in there, he will learn a little bit more. He'll get the fact that he needs to kind of tone it down a little bit at times, conserve that energy and then when everybody else is tapped out you turn it up to 150 and you dominate like the great player you are
0: yeah and i i kind of wonder cuz people talk if he is that like you know if he can be a closer or not and i think he's shown spurts of it but i think just until he kind of learns that dial switch on you know on himself a little bit i think that's probably the only, you know well besides the jump shot and free throws i think that's kind of the only thing that's truly holding him back from being a guy who you uh you know, you want to give the ball to in the fourth quarter.
1: And I'll say this, because we've seen Giannis close, as you as you mentioned, yeah. we've seen him close games before. He's he's had he has multiple game winners. It's not like he does not know how to close ball games, but I don't think being able to close ball games is one thing that you have to have in order to no. be a great player. You can do many other things. And people tend to forget on this team, when before Giannis was Giannis, who was the closer on this team? Chris Middleton, he was a leaning scorer. He was a guy getting the ball in crunch time. He was a guy coming up with those clutch shots, and he's still doing that. So why are we so worried about Giannis not being able to close, and I'm going to put that in air quotes because <laughs> I didn't say that, and I know you didn't say that, Yeah. but some people are. When you have a guy, Chris Middleton, who can do that? Yeah. You know, It doesn't matter how you get the win as long as you get the win, and if you got a closer right next to you, hey, go ahead and do your thing. I'm going to feed you, and if you need me, I'm going to be there for you.
0: Yeah. And that was definitely Middleton in game six. He definitely uh, took over and that's why they, they uh, you know, the Nets had to throw on the towel. And I think part of that actually did help for game seven because having a close game until the fourth quarter there, you forced uh, Nash to have to play again, Harden and uh, Durant a ton of minutes. So moving on to Eastern conference finals. So, Second time in three years, Eastern Conference Finals, going through Milwaukee. You know, most people thought it would be going through Philly or Brooklyn, but no, it's going through Milwaukee. Um, I guess first question, because I've heard this thrown out there today, this season shows you that the regular season truly doesn't matter because both one seeds are gone and a two seed are gone. Do you agree with that or disagree with that, that the regular season doesn't matter?
1: The, uh, you know, the, the regular season matters. It it does. Uh, I agree. I'll, I'll I'll go back to what I said earlier about the Bucks when Boonhoser was trying new things, you know, trying to figure out different ways to win ball games because he knew that he was going to come up against many different situations come postseason. Because ultimately, that is their goal. The only way you're going to qualify for postseason is through the regular season. So yes, the regular season matters for putting a team together, getting them to gel, and getting them to the point of playing the way that they are currently. So yes, the the, the regular season is very important those last few weeks (laughs) tend to go on like an eternity because you're just ready for the playoffs. But those minutes are very, very important in a regular season.
0: Yeah. And I I agree too. I think every win matters. It's not like baseball. We have 180 or 162 game season. I know 82 games is a long time, but as you mentioned, you're getting used to playing with each other. You know, the bucks had 72 games to get Giannis Middleton and holiday comfortable playing with one another. And I think that's huge because even though Holiday didn't play the greatest for three and a half quarters of basketball on Saturday, when it mattered, he showed up. And him, Giannis, and Middleton, and Brooke as well, except for his brain fart, are a big reason why we get to talk Eastern Conference Finals and not, is Bud's done? Is his job, you know, is he going to get fired? Who do you want as next coach of the Bucks? Things like that. So, you know, like you, I agree that it does matter because, yeah – you have to win to get to the playoffs. Obviously, the Bucks won enough to get to that three seed, um, but you also have so many other things that you put together in the regular season with Bud especially in the dunker position, and I forget the term you said, you call it?
1: I call it the plus one.
0: The plus one and all that other. So moving on, Eastern Conference Finals, Bucks and, strangely, the Atlanta Hawks because 76ers just seem to no matter who that coach is, can't get out of their own way. Again, they're the better team, you know, better team than the Hawks, but yet they're going home and the Hawks are advancing. Well, I, th- I like the matchup with the 76ers a little better for that reason because they can't get out of the way. And I think the Bucks match up well against that team as they're not a team of shooters. Hawks, on the other hand, with Trey Young, with uh, Bog- Bogdan, if he's healthy, um, among other guys, they have a team with a lot of shooters. So not typically the best matchup for the Bucks when you have a team that rely a lot on the pick and roll and that three-pointer, and then Capella is a, a beast inside. So I think on paper, Bucks are the better team. Uh, you know they have the better star power, but at the end of the day, star power doesn't always matter. Um, as we just saw with the Hawks and the 76ers, right. looking into the Eastern Conference Finals. What are your thoughts on playing the Hawks?
1: I like the matchup. Bucks took two or three from them in the regular season. Uh, I believe Trey Young missed two of those games. The game he did Both play, I believe he won. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and I, I believe the game he did play, the Bucks held him to three for 17. It's not like Trey Young has been really lighting the fire, in a, with the world on fire with his shooting percentage. Um, he's had some big games, 25 points, 18 assists a couple nights ago. Uh, you know, had the 39 points uh, a few a uh, few playoff games ago. Uh, he's he's come up with some big toes, He's come up with some clutch plays. Uh, but I like the matchup just because I, I think all their firepower can be negated. I, I I truly believe that they are the team that scares a lot of people because the one way you can beat the Bucks is to bombard them from three. And we've we've seen them go down in a blaze of glory before, giving up every foreseeable three that every team takes. They, they take career highs and threes and they, they hit team records and threes in order to beat them. And you will live with that in the regular season, but it's a different thing in the postseason season because there is no tomorrow. So I like the matchup. I, I think defensively they are much better than the Hawks. I think they can continue to keep their shooting percentages low. As you mentioned is Bogdanovich, which I said on Twitter, this is a delicious piece of irony because the last time the Hawks were in the Eastern conference finals was in 2015 with Mike Boone as a head coach. And then you have this whole debacle that you and I have even discussed here uh, with, with Bogdanovich. So that's going to be a delicious piece of, of irony, maybe a little delicious piece of revenge. I don't think they really have that on their minds, but it's a little side plate, side story there. But I like the matchup. I think they can negate those guys. I think their defense will ratchet it up. Uh, as you said, Bobby Portis will play a role in this because he is a big. He's going to be able to stretch floor. maybe get Clint Capella out of there. Uh, open up the lane for some guys to and and if they get into the lane, you kick it out, and hopefully a guy like Brent Forbes, who I think we'll see more time, will hit shots., uh, you know, Chris Middleton will hit shots. Uh, you know its it, it's a really good matchup. The hawks I, I will say this. the Hawks don't scare me, but they scare me
0: yeah, I, I I feel you on that one. There's things about the Hawks that scare me, as you mentioned, they you know they can shoot the the lights out of the ball if they get going. There are a lot of storylines in this game. I know the storyline, you know, ESPN and TNT is going to beat into the ground is the Bogdan Bogdanovich fiasco, which I don't know how much I, I believe this, but I think it was uh, Simmons was talking on his uh, podcast that it was actually the agent that pretty much threw the hand grenade on the whole deal. He yeah. saw how much money the Hawks were willing to offer, which no tampering allegations against the Hawks, of course. Um, He kind of threw a grenade in that and uh, that's partially why it blew all up um, because he wanted his client to, which rightfully so as an agent, he wanted his client to get more money. But you got that, you got Budenholzer, you got Teague, which we're probably not going to see at all, Tony Snell, which we're probably not going to see at all, just connections. And then the Atlanta Hawks used to play in Milwaukee as the Milwaukee Hawks back in the uh, early 50s. So a lot of different connections, uh, a lot of different storylines. A lot of names that uh, um, casual fans may know: Trey Young, Blue Williams for the wrong reasons, Evan yeah. Pepper, Lou, um, but and then Bogdan. But they have some other guys that casual fans probably don't know that are still kind of you know pretty talented players: Clint Capella, John Collins, um, oh, Cam Reddish. You know, you look at this team. Who are some guys outside of Trey Young, Bogdanovich, and Capella? Who are some guys that the uh bucks fans need to kind of worry about.
1: Gallinari is a guy that you need to worry about. He's he's a big. He can he shoot. He's been around forever too. He, yeah, he has been around forever. <laughs> forever, but the man can
0: still shoot the the, Did the, he play the with Jordan the at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it don't it? like yeah. <laughs> like it feels like he with the same Jordan. way even though he's
1: Uh Lou Williams is a guy that people need to respect. Um, I mean, he's been doing this a long time, multi-time six man of the year. If he gets rolling, it's over. You know, it's it's, it's really tough to stop him. He's definitely still a really good offensive talent. Um, and it just I think those two guys are really the guys that I worry about, that I think about just because of their shooting ability, their ability to score. Um, like I said, it's it's really the Bucks Achilles heel is is giving up so many threes that you just get bombed out of the game, you know, and it, you just, you can't afford that in the playoffs. You live with that. If a team makes a franchise high in threes, you will live with that in the regular season. Hey, it took them 30 threes to beat us. I'll live with it in a regular season, but in the playoffs, you cannot allow that to happen. No. And those guys, the shooters that they have, the offensive talents that they have, you just can't allow that to happen.
0: No, you definitely cannot. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, there's things about this, you know. You're confident, but not. And I'm one that's pretty confident the Bucks should win. Um, you know, you have first uh, first two games in Milwaukee. I think the Bucks walk out of there with two wins. I you better. Um, the Pfizer Forum, the the Deer District. That's going to be completely rocking. Yes. And I think th- I think they steal one in Atlanta um, while they're down there. And I feel they closed it out in five. Um, at worst, six. I don't see this going seven. Um, where do you see this series going? Is it going to be a sweep? Is it going to be a gentleman's sweep? Does it go six or seven? You know,
1: I never, unless I am 1000% certain, I will never say a series is going to be a sweep. I, I just, you know, it, it, I just, I have to give professionals their due. You have to give a, any team could be any other team on any given day into, into effect. Um, it's the reason why I gave <laughs> the Bucs uh, you know, a, a six-game series in the first round. They ended up sweeping. I am um, I will be 100% uh, transparent. I said the Bucs were going to lose against the Nets. I said I, after one, games one and two, I said this is going to be a six-game series and the Bucs are going to lose, but I'm always going to root for the Bucs. I'm going to hope they win. They end up winning in seven. So I, I won't give them a sweep in this one just because – everyone did not expect the Hawks to make it past the 76ers. And the 76ers are going to make
0: it past the Knicks either back in round one.
1: Exactly. And I, 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 and I didn't even think they would make it past the Knicks. I said that I would be surprised if the Hawks won, but I thought the Knicks defensively would be a little bit better and be able to stop the Hawks. And they just weren't able to, I think they played, I think the Knicks played above their head, but they made it past the Knicks. They made it past the 76ers. And you have to respect that because I mean you're, you're talking – they went through a tough seven-game series in their semifinals round against a really good team. I know everybody's going to make fun of Ben Simmons and being scared of the basket, and they're going to talk about how Joel Embiid was playing with a torn meniscus. I get it. But they were still on the court. They still forced seven games. That's still a really good team with a really good coach. They made it past them. So I have to give them a little bit of respect and give them one game. At least five. I would not be surprised if it goes Six. I do not foresee it going seven, but the Bucks will definitely advance to the NBA finals.
0: Yeah, and I think Nate McMillan deserves a ton of credit because he yes. gets fired in Indiana. How do you think Indiana how do you think Pacer fans feel right now? They they fire <laughs> McMillan. They hire <laughs> I forget who they hired. And now they hire they fire that guy. And here McMillan, the interim coach, has his team all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: And they did Nate McMillan so dirty because literally he had signed a contract extension. Two weeks before they fired him. Yeah. So <laughs> like, you're going to take account the bubble playoffs, which was just an odd experience for everyone involved. It, it was not normal. You're going to fire that guy after you promised him that, hey, you're a part of our future. We're going to move forward with you. And he doesn't have the best showing in the bubble. And they get fired. And he gets fired. It, it's just Nate McMillan has always had a talent of reaching the young guys and getting them to play the absolute best basketball they can. He did it in Seattle. He did it in Portland. And now he's doing it – I mean, he was doing it in, in Indianapolis. I mean, but, you get again, the bubble. And now he's doing it with Atlanta. He will definitely drop that interim title. He will definitely get the full-time head coaching job, no doubt. People need to put some respect on that man's name. He's been doing this for a long time, and he's been doing it extremely well.
0: Yeah, I've always been a fan of his. So, I like, I was kind of uh... – you know, not really thrilled when the Pacers got rid of him. I guess that, you know, as a Bucks fan, I was happy because <laughs> obviously division. now the Pacers are in purgatory of basketball. As Bucks fans, we know how that feels to be in purgatory. Thankfully, we're not anymore with Giannis and Middleton. And now we got Drew Holiday. Um, defensively, through the first two rounds, the Bucks have been one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. I know they're up and down in the regular season. Right. What have you noticed through two rounds? Um, why they've become one of the top defensive teams, and how do you see that carrying over into the Eastern Conference Finals?
1: I think they've gotten back to what made them great on defense, and under Mike Boonholzer in the in the first season underneath him, the rotations have been a bit better. The help defense has been much better. Uh, Brooke is moving much better. I mean, <laughs> Look at that block on Durant. I mean, yeah. if, if that'll prove to you that he's moving much better and he's being that rim protector that he was on Mike Boonehoser in the first season because that's when they had the most success is when he was that eraser in the middle right there, leaving Giannis to be able to roam the perimeter and, you know, come w- with with blocks and steals and all that. They've gotten back to what's made them great on defense, and it is good to see. Now, it's not as consistent. I will say that it was not as consistent, but to see that more times than not and to be at this point, Eastern Conference Finals, it's a welcome sight. And I think they can continue that against Atlanta.
0: Yeah, and I know that pick and roll is uh how the Hawks have been uh killing people. If you uh t- if you drop um uh Young's gonna nail that three. If you mm-hmm. uh go after Young, he's gonna lob it into Capella. And that's where they've had a lot of their success. Um, the, you that's feel the Bucks cool. match up pretty well with that. Yeah, and
1: that's a really good point. That, that's something else that you maybe think about because I it, just going back and I watched that Game Seven four times, no joke. <laughs> just because the, the first time you're so tense and you just can't really like break down what you're seeing because you're so tense and worried about the outcome. And then when I watch it the second time and the third time and the fourth time, I'm like okay, now I can see what happened where it happened. But in the playoffs, has been dropping far less. He's really been dropping far less. And guys have been not playing under the screen against shooters so much. They still make a mistake and do that, and then they get killed for it. But they've been playing over the top, staying with the guy, and it's made their defense much, much better. Drew Holiday, obviously a lockdown defender. He's definitely a big difference uh, in this postseason, (laughs) again, why they've made their defense so much better. Um, I I think if they continue what they've been doing, dropping less, having Brooke as the eraser, Leave Giannis on the perimeter to kind of roam. Uh, if 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 Brooke is out of position, he come over and have to chase down, block. If they continue that, I think they can again negate their offense, keep their shooting percentages low as they have been in the postseason to this point, and again advance to the NBA Finals.
0: Yeah, and if Trey Young's going to score his points, kind of like Tucker did in a few of those games with the Nets, make Trey Young earn it. You know, make him be a volume shooter rather than you know game 5 durant got you know 49 easy but the other games it seemed like he had to work a lot and no i'm not suggesting put tucker on uh, young i'm not suggesting that at all that I'm won't happen suggesting, and i'm i know somebody's going to listen and be like <laughs> did you say tucker should guard young no, no he I'm did not, not. at all i'm saying force him to be a guy who like you mentioned 3 of 17 you know earlier this year young's going to get his points make him earn every point that he gets that's and, the point i'm making
1: that was one of the biggest uh, shiny points of this series that I think a lot of people have missed, but not you, because you're very observant. <laughs> uh, PJ Tucker is so physical. And yes, Durant went and he had multiple 40 plus point games in this series. And one and, of them,
0: I don't mean to cut you off quick, one of them, if uh, Jeff Green doesn't have a career game, the 49 point game doesn't even matter.
1: Doesn't <laughs> even matter because they lose that game uh, because it's all Durant and no one else even though he had 40 plus multiple times and he had 30 plus multiple times in this series, he was getting his points and you knew that Durant was going to get his most lethal score in the league. You're not going to stop him. Like you're really not. Your best chance of getting a win is to beat him up. Okay. Not, not, not literally folks. I don't want you out there saying, just go take him behind Barkley center and, and hit him a couple times. No, you make him feel it on the court. you be physical with them. You make him work for those points. I guarantee you he will tell you that those were the hardest points that he's ever had to score in his lifetime on the ball court. He made him work for it, and you saw it at the end. He airballed a three, a three that that gave them a chance to win that game and to win that series and send the Bucks home. He
0: airballed it, and just because he had no legs left. If you rewatched minutes. that, his, fo- his toe was on the line again now.
1: Yeah. Well, how many – but, <laughs> he, but he, he
0: one size too big shoe, <laughs> yeah,
1: which is crazy. Like you're 17, but you wear an 18 because you want a light and just dude, you're you're a Nike ambassador. You can just make them make, make you have a lighter shoe. But I digress. <laughs> it's it, he airballed it, and yeah. I think it's much more than just the heavy minutes that he was played as a result of Steve Nash leaving him in there. It was also because of the physicality of PJ Tucker. So he, he, Tucker's not going to have all the stats, all the glory stats that you see when you when you, you know look at everything, look at the box score. But people who watch and know, they understand and appreciate that performance that he had in that series. It, win, lose, or draw, he was physical with him, and that's exactly what you needed to do in order to give yourself a chance.
0: Yeah, and he didn't. He didn't. uh change it up either when the whistle got really quick there he didn't change it up either he just kept coming after him and then uh you know even uh katie's mom was trying to you know you know put her two cents <laughs> yeah. in and all he, you know and and I, yeah. I, I i i'm trying to sound serious saying that but i just can't because i know how kd and uh tucker's relationship is and you know KD's mom is like a mom to uh tucker if they saw the video you know <laughs> this is football, not basketball, not football. And he's like, love you. <laughs> but I love you, too. you Tucker know. never changed his style even when he was getting in foul trouble. And that's why I love about PJ Tucker is he's gonna he's gonna do him. So is there a role in the Eastern Conference finals that you can see him uh him being uh you know somebody that they can exploit a little bit, uh maybe you know Capella or Collins or somebody or is he Is this going to be somebody else's series to shine?
1: You know, I I think they'll feel each other out in game one. I think Budenholzer will see uh, what they're trying to do and try to match up uh, accordingly. I think P.J. Tucker, will see him definitely in game one. Uh, I was thinking more so on John Collins. Uh, I I think Brooke can handle Capella, if not, put Giannis over there on him. But he'll, he'll be seen in this series. He will play a part in this series. Um, but I think game one is definitely going to be a feeling out period just to see what teams are doing and you're going to adjust from there.
0: Yeah. And I, I definitely agree with that. And I'm hoping for a, another big Yannis series. So um, Kendrick Perkins can kind of uh, eat crow a little <laughs> bit. Cause he seems to be one that every time Giannis does something not good or doesn't play well or misses yeah. this or that, you know, I, I guess Giannis beat him up too bad when, uh, when Perkins was a player, but I guess that's, you know, kind of something I want to see.
1: You, you notice everybody that Giannis has dominated that is now in the booth because they can't, you know, <laughs> do it on the court anymore has something bad to say about him because he just embarrassed them so bad because of yeah. his skill that they now just have to slander him at every cost. Uh, Kendrick Perkins is, is just a guy who's doing his job. He's gaining all the attention he wants and he's getting paid from ESPN because of it. So yeah. I, I don't really pay too much attention to what he says. He, he will drop a gym every once in a while, but most of the time it's just attention seeking trolling.
0: Yeah. Cause I know after game two, he was uh, very hard on Milwaukee and pretty much wrote him off. And was like series is completely done. And I know a lot of people thought, so I, I was pretty confident that the bucks would make a series of it would they be able to come all the way back and win it? I didn't know I wasn't sure yeah. after going down two games, but the fact that your next two games were in Milwaukee role players granted they shortened the bench to completely, but role players tend to play better at home, which we saw on the on the net side um their their role players that were uh dominating one and two they didn't show up and it was the Kevin Durant show so and I was confident that they would get back into the series. I just wasn't sure if they're going to be able to win it. So, final before I jump to the Western Conference Finals, final question on the Eastern Conference Finals, I guess, and the Bucks going into the playoffs. It was pretty much the Bucks need a deep playoff run to, or they're going to have a new coach in twenty twenty two. Has mm-hmm. Bud done enough getting this team past the Heat? passed in that and now in the Eastern conference finals, has he done enough to save his job or does he have to win the Eastern conference finals as well?
1: I think some people out there in certain circles believe that he has done enough to save his job, just based on who they beat in the semifinals and in the fashion in which they beat them. But for me, you've been to the Eastern conference finals before and you came up short you, you, and you had chances. You had many chances to take that series, and you did not. For me, he has to make the NBA Finals, and I'm just strictly speaking from me. He has to make the NBA Finals. To, to completely solidify his spot for at least one more year, he has to make it to the NBA Finals because this is the third year. And for me, it's three strikes and you're out. First year you went to the Eastern Conference Finals. You lost in six to eventual champions. Then year two, you had the bubble situation, which wasn't ideal for anyone. It was just weird for everyone. And you got bounced in five games in the semifinals against the eventual Eastern Conference champion. Now you're back in the Eastern Conference finals in year three. You have to make it further than what you have in the previous two years. And that's just for me. So if he makes it to the NBA finals, I think he has solidified his spot for at least a year. Now, if they get dominated in the NBA Finals, that's a completely different story, <laughs> completely different story. You're going to have to look at it a very, very different way. But to this point, for me, not yet. Make an NBA Finals, then we can talk.
0: Okay. Western Conference Finals, we have Clippers and the Suns. Uh, the Suns winning game one. Uh, Kawhi Leonard out for game two already. I know some speculate that he tore the ACL. Um haven't heard one way or the other if it's torn or sprained which i can speak from experience a sprained acl hurts like you know what as well i've experienced that um so that had me hobbled for a minute um when i sprained mine and i'm not even a professional athlete so um clippers suns suns are up one one nothing suns without chris paul due to covid protocols i don't know when he's going to be available um what are your your thoughts on the west Do the suns uh Does the sun shine in Phoenix or do the Clippers finally, you know, make they made their first ever Western Conference finals? Um, Do they make their first NBA finals this year?
1: Man, this series is very, very tough call because both teams are missing very, very key players, very key players. You're right about Kawhi. They're not really saying if it's a torn ACL. They're 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 not saying if it's really sprained or to the degree in which it's sprained. If you have any type of availability at all during the Western Conference Finals, same with Chris Paul. He, I believe, he tested positive for COVID. So that's it really, what, ten days automatically. Yeah, that's an automatic ten days. So you have to take it to account because remember, Drew Holiday had COVID and he was gone for ten plus games. And, you know, over multiple weeks. So it's there's no telling if he's going to be able to play at all in this series. So the way they played yesterday, and I'm talking the Suns, was very encouraging. Devin Booker, I am so happy for him to have this stage, for him to show yeah, everybody just how good he <laughs> actually is. He's been on some really bad teams that he's been good on, and people have kind of looked at that and said, oh, well, they're, they're empty stats. Now they're a winning ball club. And he's making those plays necessary and being a big part of that. So if he can continue to play like that and the Clippers role players kind of taper down, you know, we saw Terrence Mann go off for 30 plus and when they eliminated the jazz and now he had nine points in the Western Conference Finals game one, Paul George had to shoot a better percentage than what he's been shooting. If their role players temper down and it's just, Paul George. Suns are going to eat them alive. They're playing better defensively. They're playing much better offensively. Devin Booker is a star, certified superstar. And they have a much better chance of possibly getting Chris Paul back as opposed to Kawhi. Because if they're being that secretive about his knee, it may be worse off than we all think. So I, I gotta go with the Suns on this one. I, I just I think it's gonna be a good series. I don't think it's gonna be a sweep. But it's going to be a really, really good series, I think.
0: Yeah, and I, I think so, too. And I'm uh, part of me. And so obviously Bucks need to get by the Hawks first. Um, so part of me is looking at if the Bucks get by the Hawks, who's going to be a better matchup for the Bucs? And that's something we can talk about hopefully next week when, you know, the Bucks advance to the NBA Finals. Um, so part of me thinks of that. But I also I love Booker and love Chris Paul. So part of me wants to see the Suns get there. So I think it's going to be a great series. I think this should be the series win, win or lose. Uh, Booker gets put on the map. And, of course, now we get to listen to the four-letter networks, to, uh, the national uh, national guy. It's basically like they were doing with Giannis and they're doing with Dame uh, out in Portland. When is he going to go to a big market? So that's yeah. unfortunately what we're going to get out of it. Where You know, does he go to LA? Does he go to, you know, New York? Does he go here or whatever? But that's what we're going to get after Booker as a huge series, win or lose. But I would love to see the Suns go just because I like Booker. I like Paul. As a fan, I can't really decide, you know, who I'd rather see. I think I want to obviously get past the Hawks first before I even think about that. But yeah, I... I I hope to see Booker shine like you were talking about. I really do. And I just hope we don't spend all summer talking about where is he going to go cuz now I guess Zion family Zion family wants him to be moved someplace else. So too much of that in the NBA.
1: <laughs> it's literally been 2 years, people. It's literally been 2 years and barely you're always
0: saying actually, oh they, they can't the barely 2 years. years.
1: Like, 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 are you kidding me? Like, he, they can't put the
0: pieces around him.
1: Then, not they just literally hire David Griffin like last year. Like, give the band some time to get some they players get around.
0: Gundy, who's a pretty solid coach, one year to do it. One and done.
1: Like, come on. Like, give this, give these guys a chance to feel this out and put some players around them instead of trying to get him out of New Orleans after two years. Stop it.
0: <laughs> so last basketball question I want to ask, and I want to get your thoughts on the whole uh, issue going up, uh, up the road here a little bit up in green Bay. So it pains me to ask this because I like doc rivers a lot. I, yes. I think he, you know, he's a great human. Um, I think he's an outstanding, you he know, he's a really good coach, yeah. but with the, the, uh the way things ended it with the Clippers. Now the way, this season ended in in Philadelphia where he was supposed to be the the savior there in Philadelphia. He is what they were missing. He is going to make Simmons into that next superstar. You know, uh, MB is going to take that next step, which MB did this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But is Doc Rivers truly one of those, you know, coaches he put on that pedestal or was his NBA championship just a combination of right place, right time, with Pierce Garnett, Allen and Rondo. It pains me to ask this cuz I love Doc, but is he as good as advertised, I guess is what I'm saying.
1: Uh, Doc Rivers is one of the better coaches in the NBA. I think he is as good as advertised. You know, you, you,
0: it pains me you to know, ask that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, I can see it. I can see it in your face because it's it, but you know we got we got to talk about it, right? So, you know, you, you don't take two teams to the NBA finals without having some sort of, you know, mastery of the game, right? So, I mean, he took the Celtics twice. They won one, they lost the other one. Okay. And, yeah, he has some really good players. But he also has some really good players on the Clippers. And he has some good players in Philly. And, look, he got them to the absolute maximum point he possibly could. He can't go out there and play for them. You know, and the case with Philadelphia – He put these guys in position, in the right positions to be successful. They were number one seed in the East. Nobody saw that coming. You know, they thought they would be really good with Doc, but nobody saw number one seed in the East. Joel Embiid was always really good and a potential NBA NBA MVP candidate. Well, now he finished second this season. You know, probably would have won it had he not missed so many games. With Ben Simmons, he could put him in the – most awesome positions for success, but he can't fix what's up here, and that's what's going on with Ben Simmons. That's a real issue for the team in its entirety. He can't fix what's up there. He could put Ben Simmons in the best position possible for the most success possible, but if Ben is in his own head, it doesn't matter. So I think yeah, it, this was a tough loss. It was unexpected but that's what happens in the playoffs. Sometimes this was year one under doc rivers, give that man another year or two. I, I, this team's not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. They're still going to be a very good team in the Eastern conference. They're going to be a, a team to reckon with. He's as good as advertised in my book.
0: So do they need to move Ben Simmons in order to possibly take that next step? Or do they try to fix what's up here? But whenever a player's in his own head, big contract extension, too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a lot of money, you know, (laughs) so it's when the problem is in a player's own head. I mean, that's that's such a tough, delicate thing. And maybe a change of scenery is best. Uh, It usually works for most players. Some others, maybe not. That is such a tough question to answer because there's so many different variables that that go into it. You know, what are you looking for? How are you going to improve the team? What would Ben Simmons actually bring you? You know, is does anybody really want him, and do they know how to effectively use him? He can't shoot, you know, I mean, from the free-throw line or from the field. He's in his own head. He won't even take point-blank shots. I mean, I remember there was a critical juncture in Game 7 where he was right under the rim, wide-open shot, and he passes it. He had a wide-open dunk. Wide-open <laughs> dunk, dunk, off a of drop step. It's like, why are you not throwing that down? Like, what? This, is, this is your area. Why are you not throwing that down? Why are you trying to pass the ball off? That tells me he's in his own head. So teams are seeing this, and they're going to say, do we really want to take on this project? You know, a guy who really can't shoot, but he can defend his behind off. He can pass the basketball. He can defend. He can rebound. He can play in the post. How will we effectively use this guy? I, he will never be someone's number one option. Point blank.
0: I don't he know would, if he'll uh, ever be somebody's number three option personally at this point. The way look, he looked last
1: night and throughout the series, man, is this, that's, that's a tough sell. But I think he has all the goods to be a number two. But when you get in your own head, the league takes notice. So I, that really sharply impacted his any type of trade impact. Uh, trade value that he may have. So it's so many different variables that are in it that, you know, maybe they want to trade them, but they may not be able to, because nobody's going to be able to give them what they want.
0: Yeah. So final, final question here kind of dominated the headlines. You can't turn on a radio. You can't turn on ESPN. You can't turn on get up on ESPN without Aaron Rodgers being the center of attention. Mm. I truly don't know. Everything on what the problem is, I think it's more Mark Murphy related than Goot related based off, you know, comments that have been made, mm-hmm. um, culture, things like that. The GM doesn't really control the culture of the, the team. That's your team president or owner in the Packers case, team president. But, you know, Rogers, you know, holds out in, uh, OTAs, holds out mandatory minicams. The talk of the town is he wants out. Um, I don't think it's that he wants out. I think two things. One, he wanted to enjoy the off season. Um, he was quite vocal about wanting everything before, um, uh, training camp to be virtual. He was a big uh, uh, supporter of that last year. And I think he would like to see some changes made up top, not necessarily new people, but just some changes made on how they do things. Um, but i think he's quarterback in 2021 i don't you know i don't think he goes anywhere i think he shows up come training camp what do you, what are your thoughts on uh you know mr mvp aaron Rodgers?
1: well you know you, you started that off by saying that you can't turn off tv or you know go on to twitter or whatever without seeing <laughs> you know dominate the headlines i'll tell you what, local media is ringing this out for all its worth i'm going to tell you that much yeah. Yeah. to the point where i just try to turn it off a little bit um you're right. He's going to be quarterback for the green Bay Packers in 2021. There's no doubt about that. 2022, there may be a whole different story, but 2021, he will be the quarterback for the green Bay Packers. I would be shocked if he actually showed up to training camp on time. I think he, I think he may take a week off just to prove a point just to say, okay, look, training camp is here and I'm not there. So, I'm going to force your hand. You're, either, you're going to give me a new contract. We're going to make some changes so we can get back to the culture of winning and, and the culture of doing things the right way, the Packer way, and treat people because that's what we talk about. about. There's a certain way you treat people, you know, <laughs> talk about culture. Uh, we need to get back to that in order to get back to what Green Bay Packers football is actually all about. So I have no doubts who show up to training camp. I, I would be shocked if he showed up on time, I think, because he's very cerebral. He will take his time. Um, But this thing, honestly, it was blown way, way out of proportion from people I've spoke to. It was just blown way, way bigger than what it actually was. And it's fixable. It's completely mendable. The sides have to come together, communicate better. That's really what he's asking for is the communication part of it. You know, it, it, I know there are some things that have been said that, he didn't. He disagreed with, and felt like he was made a fool of after he said and mentioned the player, and then they released them and this, that, and the other. But it's communication issues, and communication issues can always be mended. It is nothing so irreparably broken that you can't come together, time and time again, even if it's a weekly conversation that you're having, just to see, okay, where are we? Where's the communication? Okay, let's move forward and go and win the title. So. it's it's nauseating seeing all the coverage of every little thing you know he's wearing a t-shirt that says i'm offended oh no let's hold this out of proportion it's
0: it's nauseating tom brady who was trolling him hardcore when that golf matchup was announced hardcore he was
1: (laughs) on him like no other like you could see it on his face too like he was not feeling it at all but it's it's nauseating to blow just a little Little hill into a big, gigantic mountain. That's why I just can't wait for training camp for him to yeah. show up, so everybody can get back to work, and we can really focus on what matters, which is Green Bay Packers football yeah. and going after a Super Bowl in 2021.
0: And I think one of the big things you got to do to fix it is lock Mark Murphy in a closet somewhere, lock it, uh, lock the door, lose the key, and just leave him in there for a while because he definitely doesn't help matters with his – no, Take five or, you know, monthly email column where he, you know, this is uh, dividing the fan base. And then he, you know, less we say the better, both sides say the better. And then less than a week later gives, you know, and he's trying to deflect by quoting Ted Thompson, Ted Thompson. who can't give context to what he meant because he Strange died. You. He's like, he's a complicated fella. And it's like, he just needs to stop talking. Murphy. I mean, uh, Goot saying the right things uh yeah. or saying the right things i don't even know i think russ ball is locked in the closet somewhere too and you know, murphy just needs to just stop
1: yeah and and i said it last week on toss uh, dead men tell no tales so it's not like ted thompson can back up what he said like hold on mark that's not exactly what i said and this is the full context in which i said it you're misquoting me and, and to, to use those words that particular phrase a complicated fellow it's just throwing gasoline on the fire is it's basically what it's doing. <laughs> You're just throwing gasoline on the fire. There was no reason to use that. A complex person? Okay, I get that. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is very complex. He has a lot of different layers. That I can agree with. But a complicated fellow? That that's see the pot, see the spoon? Let's stir it up. That's what he yeah. was doing. He was stirring.
0: Definitely was. So – before we do wrap up uh I know you had you know you mentioned your show uh toss and I mentioned at the beginning uh you know who, who you are so just before we do wrap up just uh, you know let the the viewers let the listeners know uh, where they can check you out and check your show out
1: well you can check us out anywhere toss Tristan on sports show everywhere you listen to podcasts it's there you can check me out. At the two oh double, I think it's scrolling across the screen at the bottom right there. There it is. There it is. It's rolling across right there. At the two zero double on Twitter. Get at me there. And we're also on Facebook. Facebook.com slash T on Sports Show. That's T O N Sports Show. And of course, TossNation Media.com. Your home for the Toss brand of sports.
0: Yeah, I do like the ticker there. I gotta get a little bit more creative on it. I just have my Twitter handle and yours. I just gotta get a little more creative on it. So I'm 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 getting more comfortable with uh you know, the Yard that I just started using. So uh do want to say again, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Uh, and hopefully next week or, uh, you know, early the uh, following week, we can preview uh, hopefully NBA Finals. Or if things don't go well, recap the, the season and where the Bucks go from there. Oh, I don't want to think about that. That makes my stomach <laughs> I don't so either. Let's, but be, let's be positive. There we go. We're going to preview the NBA finals with the Bucs playing whoever. I don't really care at this point. I just want the Bucks to get there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Agreed. Cool. Well, you have a good, uh, you know, thank you for the listeners. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it, and hope you all have a great uh, rest of your night. Thanks so much.